Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the show today. My guest is Michael Newton, also known as Don Miguel. He's been a longtime partner at the brand Guayaquil, the Yerba Mate company, um, a certified B Corp, one of the early founding partners of the B Corp movement. So they are no stranger to sustainability, responsibility, and purpose-driven business. We had a really great conversation. I'm always inspired when I get to hang out with this guy. Um, his positivity is infectious, and the things that they are doing over there at Guayaquil are, um, I think, really, really cool, really fun, and um, really inspiring. So enjoy the conversation. All the links and the notes are over on the website. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in to the show. It means a lot, and I'm so appreciative of the guests and the stories that they are sharing. So get inspired, and let's learn. Have a good day. Welcome to the Underswell Podcast. News, stories, brand insights, product reviews, all to help you navigate the complexities of sustainability in your modern lifestyle. As I like to say, business can be done better, and in some cases it is. I'm Derek Sabori, I'm your host, and hey, it's just sustainability. Let's dive in to today's episode. All right, Derek Sabori here on the Underswell podcast show. I'm here with my friend, Michael Newton, a.k.a. Don Miguel, or maybe it's Don Miguel, a.k.a. Michael Newton, of the, uh, of the company Guayaquil Yerba Mate Company, um, which looks like you guys have a new website. Just went up today. Okay, <laughs> which is cool. I'm like, am I in the right place? We're in the process of making sure there's no more bugs it in looks, that right there, but yeah. I haven't actually um, haven't seen it since it's been posted just yet, so well, I'm going to spend the afternoon kind of navigating through it, but we found our old website just wasn't um, super mobile friendly, so we wanted to update and make it a little more contemporary. Well, what's really funny, and even here before we get into introducing you, but I remember kind of looking at the website and I'm like, ah, you know what, it's it's a little, it looked like it needed an update. And all of a sudden I went in there today as, uh, as I was prepping for our, our talk, I'm like, whoa, am I in the right spot? <laughs> so it looks great. How long has, um, and I'm, I'm going to get to introducing you, but how long has Guayaquil been around? We've been around for 23 years 23 now. years. Yeah. Okay. Um, so back to that original thing, are you Don Miguel, a.k.a. Michael Newton, or Michael Newton, a.k.a. Don Miguel? Uh, I am Michael Newton, a.k.a. Don Miguel. Okay. It's a nickname I picked up in Paraguay uh-huh. um, when I was down there in, I guess it was, I forget if it was 99 or 2000. Okay. And uh, it was just one of those things that sort of, ah, this kind of, this rests comfortably on my shoulders. This and feels so good. I don't introduce myself as Don Miguel, but the Miguel component sounds like that's, yeah, that's sort of settled in nicely. Yeah. But I love, even in the language of the, on the company profile, I mean, you're in there as Don Miguel, right? Don Miguel. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I like, you know, certain circles of friends, just that's, that's what seems most natural to them. So that's what they choose to call me. And yeah. I feel really well, <laughs> honored. Yeah. Well, I love it. And um, I've been connected with you, I, I think, you know, for, for years now, just in different, different ways. And I don't even remember how we first met. Was it through the Ecology Center? Was it through Evan or Mike uh, Mike Hill at AOSA? One of the, I think it was Evan. I think Evan. it was probably the Ecology Center. Yeah. Or was it was it Frank Skura and ASEC? That's entirely possible that too. That could be it too. A yeah. lot of um, throwing back some old things, some old innovators, people who've been doing it for for a while. But 
Either way, I, I called in Don Miguel here to sit down at the uh, podcast table. We're here in the home office, so if you hear birds chirping or cars or sirens, we're here at the home office with the, the air uh, flowing through the house. But um, I brought him in because I want to talk about their unique business model, their commitment to sustainability, to purpose, um, to just doing business differently. And you yourself, I know you're a huge advocate of that, and you resonate you know, definitely that that spirit kind of everywhere you go, um, and you are an ambassador of the product, and you're drinking your yerba mate now in your is that a gourd? What do we call it? This is a gourd. This would be uh, essentially this is el mate, el and mate. this one's actually made of glass, and it's wrapped in some carpincho hide, um, but it's the shape of a gourd, and they've been drinking yerba mate out of gourds for for centuries. Um, they've gotten more elaborate through the years, and just the artisan nature of, of how people celebrate this custom is, is pretty remarkable. I just spent a, a little bit of time down in Argentina and had the pleasure of spending a few days in Uruguay and just seeing mm. all the different types of calabash gourds and, um, you know, some of it's consumed out of bullhorns and whether really? they put a little metal rim on it, wrap it in leather, create a special wire base for it. Um, it's just a beautiful like, custom and ritual in people's lives. So tell us, um, tell us about that custom. Maybe tell us, explain what yerba mate is for those people that don't know, mm-hmm. um, and why you're so intrigued with it, and, and how you guys were able to build a company around um, this 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 tree, tree or bush or it's a tree plant tree. Yeah, it's um, it's well, yerba mate is the leaves and stems of the yerba mate tree. Okay. It's a member of the holly family. Elix paraguariensis is the botanical name, and. It's one of those things that, yeah, for centuries they've been consuming it. There's a lot of legend and lore behind it, how people discovered it and so forth. But um, it's a symbol of hospitality in South America. And this is in Southern South America, I should should say. And it's a national drink in Argentina, in Uruguay, and in Paraguay. Also really widely consumed and grown in Southern Brazil. And it's it's something that where they, they harvest the leaves and stems once a year. And it goes through quick flash heating. Most yerba mate is consumed or dried and, and consumed in its green state. And so they preserve all the nutrition within. So you're getting vitamins and minerals, amino acids, and chlorophyll and trace minerals. And so it's a pretty nutritional powerhouse. You also get three natural current stimulants in yerba mate. So you get the boost, but then the nutrition element really helps to support strength in the system. It's, it's great for your, you know, it supports your nervous system. And so I found it, I was introduced to it when I was in school. Okay. And uh, I found like, wow, this is like, I feel super alert. I felt like all my senses were really heightened in ways, but I felt really calm, whereas a couple cups of coffee in and I'm kind of like spinning like a top. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, like, you know, if you go to someone's house in Argentina, they're going to put a kettle on, you're going to heat up some water, and you're going to sit and share some mate and connect and share that whole element. Families oftentimes start their day with a gourd. Oftentimes before dinner, there'll be that little opportunity to kind of check in, see how everybody's day was, and have that moment for conversation. It's really sacred in the culture. Is and it, mate is a catalyst for that in so many ways. For kids too? I mean, is this something, is it, is it, looked, at as, is it looked at like coffee in those areas, or is it more of a, fan, can it be a family beverage as well? It's definitely a family beverage, like because you have, um, you know, when you drink a gourd, you put the equivalent of, like, you know, it would be about, for an average size gourd, maybe like 17 to 20 tea bags, if you will, yep. in there. Um, but you fill it about two thirds full. So it, as far as young kids, and you know, even as they're growing up and so forth, they're not going to get the front couple rounds of the Yerba Mate as it travels around the circle. Mm. Um, more 
on the tail end of when it's trailing out, you're getting more of the nutrition, the minerals out rather than the caffeine. Got it. And okay. so forth. But there's that element of inclusion and including them into the circle. Yeah. So once they hit a certain age where they can handle the thermos or the pitcher, however they're going to be serving the water and pouring into the yerba mate, it's like when they can serve their parents and their grandparents, it's a certain element of esteem. Yeah. But uh, everywhere you go, like, you know, it, you cross into the border in Paraguay and the guard's going to be sitting there with. With their- his wampa where he's going to drink his day-to-day or a gourd perhaps and it's just right there every little street vendor is going to have a gourd any little circle of friends you see hanging around talking there's a gourd there really there's a concert in the park every little circle of friends and there is a yerba mate gourd and a thermos there and it's going to be it's and are they drinking shared. it all day long is it an all day beverage kind of yeah. yeah I mean there's you know it's definitely not as defined as like you know maybe tea time right 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 um, but it's it's for them it's more of a companion than it is just a beverage got it interesting yeah <laughs> so did you find yerba mate before um you hooked up with the with the guayaquil um guys or did you already know about it or did guayaquil introduce you to yerba mate well essentially uh a gentleman i met in school who's one of our partners uh david carr um we met cal poly san luis obispo okay and he had met our partner alex who grew up in argentina mm-hmm. and alex had introduced David to Yerba Mate and um, David and I got together to play music one night he pulled a kettle out prepared a gourd and I was like what is this stuff here he kind of gave me a little background and served me some Yerba Mate and it definitely flipped the lights on for me in mm. so many ways and so Alex had started it um, he'd seen sort of the seeds of a company sort of naturally sprouting in that it was something he grew up on it was um, you know it's, as an Argentine it's his customary beverage he was drinking from his earliest memories wow. with his parents and his brothers and sisters and so forth. And when he came to school in California, he would come up with a couple kilos of his favorite mate and he had his, his gourds. And, and Cal Poly San Luis Obispo death encourages a lot of group work and a lot of like team situations. And so within the context of that, he was sharing your mate in these, these group settings and so forth. And he found his friends and his uh, fellow students really fell in love with it. So every time he came back from Argentina after the holidays or whatever, he'd have his mom send up care packages and there was more and more yerba mate coming up. Really? Each time more and more people were resonating with it. And uh, David found when he was introduced to it that it really helped his allergies. Mm. And as an athlete, mountain biker and so forth, he just found like the endurance it offered as well um, was pretty remarkable. For me, it was really like, um, I really noticed the digestive benefits as well. And then just that sustained clarity and focus um, was the things that really I was like, wow, okay, this is. I, I'm interested in drinking yerba mate, and I'm interested in drinking it the traditional way. The whole element of preparing something special was something that was kind of unique and seemed like absent in my life. Right. Uh, and then, so t- tell me about the starting of the company. Then, what? How did, how did you guys come together on that? Well, Alex, um, his godfather had a, a rainforest reserve in Paraguay and his family would go there and visit it was like an annual summer vacation a little road trip they would take up that way and he was um, farming some heart palm there he had a sustainable organic heart of palm operation and and there is yerba mate that was naturally native to the forest and there was um, the University of Cambridge had been down cataloging the bird species in the forest and they're like, hey, why don't you guys try cultivating some yerba mate here? Because he saw how oh, bird-friendly shade-grown coffee was starting to sprout back then. And they're like, oh, sure, well, you know, we've got the forest. Let's go ahead and plant this here. We all drink yerba mate. Let's why not try this out and sure. see how it goes. Yeah. Um, 
And once Alex tried that yerba mate, he'd never had a shade-grown yerba mate. He was like, whoa, this is, it's richer, it's more potent. Um, And he kind of saw, sort of as they were, you know, farming the hearts of palm, it's like, we can manage this within the forest and create sustainable income and maintain the integrity of the subtropical forest. And yerba mate could be cultivated. It's a, it's a middle canopy tree. It'd be done the same way. So that all of a sudden became like, hey, he talked with his godfather. He's like, would you please like front me some yerba mate? I'll pay you back, but I, I want to introduce this. This is you know something I'm very interested in. And from day one, he really, you know, through his, um, so he studied food science at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo okay. and became really passionate about organic agriculture in the process. And he's like, it's gonna, ha- it has to be organic, you know, to grow your Matisse pesticides in the forest is, you know, it's it doesn't make stupid. Sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that necessarily. You're gonna ruin the integrity of the ecosystem there. Yeah. And so from day one, it's gonna be organic. We have to have that in, in you know, environmental stewardship. Um, additionally, there's an element of like, all right, we have these, these harvesters here um, and doing fair trade, which is, you know, relatively new concept at the time, you know, going back 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, this is part of the DNA of the company. And so we have to factor this into the equation from yeah. day one. And uh, so the company was built that way with purpose and it was going to be done the right way. As, yeah. As you wanted. Yeah. And Alex described it back then as the three pillars of sustainability is like environmental stewardship, fair trade, and ultimately to make it such where it's going to be economically profitable. We didn't want to set this up as a nonprofit necessarily. Let's do it such where we can sure. have for-profit conservation. But with a triple, triple bottom line approach, right? Exactly. Yeah, people, planet, profit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, so what were you studying in school at the time? Both David and myself studied um, international management and finance. Okay. And in going through school, I, I realized that business, um, it creates so many problems that society has to absorb. Yeah and deal with that, I wanted to do, um, invest my energy into business for change and do something that's going to be positive for the planet and have ultimately a really beneficial impact, impact as far as really healing a, a lot of the ecosystems that have been so adversely affected. Yeah. So you have been, I mean, you were involved early on at the company. I mean, you were one of the early, early guys there, right? How were you... What were you doing before? Did, were you on track to do anything else before, or did once this started happening, or did you go? I think it's all built up to me <laughs> to be a salvador, <laughs> one who serves and shares yerba mate. Uh, I was the first intern for the company. Were you really? Yeah, when it was uh, it was David and Alex. Okay. Um, I was uh, about six months away from graduation uh-huh. and felt like I needed to, like, you know, build the resume up a little bit, and ultimately wanted to offer some assistance here. You know, at the very least, if I can get a little little complimentary mate in the process, sure. but ultimately. You know, from what I learned um, through my schooling and education, to like give to a project that I believe in. Because before I was, I was involved, before I was, um, they, you know, accepted me on as internship, um, <laughs> I knew I was going to be drinking your mate pretty much for the rest of my life. It just really? so resonated to the core of me that it's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, however I can distill things down and also tap into the knowledge of my professors as well, offer a little insight. Um, 
it was something I really, really believed in and really um, appreciated the passion that both David and Alex brought to the picture. Yeah. yeah. What were your early responsibilities as an intern? I mean, how has your, how has your career there evolved? Give us a little walkthrough of, of that, of what you did in the early days all the way to kind of what you do now. Well, um, there's been... <laughs> so many different roles, I'm Literally sure. and figuratively, many different hats worn through the years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when it's, you know, your startup, there's just so many bases to cover. Um, and so it was really whatever needed to get done mm-hmm. from checking on local accounts to doing promotion of the local far- farmer's market to, um, you know, I sat down and, and did some financial projections and so forth. Um, and even though I study finance, it's that's something I really naturally gravitated towards. And once our partner, Chris, entered the picture as our CEO, um, he just brought a lot of um, incredible knowledge and uh, in that regard, and it went out and got us a couple loans and so forth. And, yeah. and he's been the one who's really um, undertaken the, the lion's share as far as fundraising and so forth through the years. And on your website, Chris has his TEDx talk that he did at San Luis Obispo, and he's a Harvard Harvard grad. He is. is that right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are a, a bunch of uh, smart guys running a running a business here for a long time, huh? And you know, interesting. Our our, our VP of operations, Richard, um, he also studied at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and studied um, nutrition. Actually, I forget if it's nutrition or food science, but um, his brother had a really progressive natural food restaurant, San Luis Obispo, that was way, way ahead of its time. It sounded like it. Yeah, you mentioned that. What was it called? Na- uh, natural... Natural flavors. Natural flavors. Yeah. He, they had a guy who would go out on a kayak and harvest sea vegetables. You're kidding. Out of Montana to Oro. And it was local. It was seasonal. Fresh cracked grains. Made, right? It was, for me, in so many ways, like a real introduction to you know, local organic cuisine sure. and still to this day probably one of the best salad bars I've ever encountered in my life. Really? But, did it last? Um, did it last? It didn't last. It was, you know, partly was the location and again, it was a little ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think it was a really impactful um, learning lesson for all the parties involved. Sure. And our partner Chris was involved in that as far as looking at their books. But um, anyhow. So I think that's an interesting point though, just being ahead of, ahead of your time. Mm-hmm. I mean, for you guys having been around for so long, doing it, you know, the way you're doing it, do you feel like have, have the times changed? Are people catching on or do you still ever feel like you're, I mean, because you guys are competing in the beverage sections against the big brands, right? Um, how does it feel now compared to, you know, maybe five, 10 years ago? Any changes? Um, well, you know what? It's, it's it's really rewarding to see so many businesses emerge, you know, in natural foods outside of that in fashion and so forth. That really, there's that story component. And maybe it's just sort of the times we're living in. And I feel to a certain degree we've, we've impacted that, you know, in our little way. But um, whether it be a socially minded business, you know, um, or else, you know, people incorporating organic, you know, all, all these different elements, GMO free, that. Are, are really important and for them to like, all right, this is a value that we uphold and we're going to celebrate this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as we've had competition come to the market, they're coming through with a pretty clean product. Like, it's one of those things. And so someone can't just come in here where we're going to put out the cheap end. It's like all of a sudden we feel like we've really established like your your top shelf brand. You've set the, you've set the benchmark really, right? Yeah. 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 And so pretty much everyone who comes to market is organic and, and you know, there's one or two players that come in that are fair trade as well. And it's, you know, in that regard, it's like, you know, the planet wins, the people win in that regard. And yeah. so, you know, and I think that's a great concept. I think that's an interesting thing too, right? I think sustainability and purpose driven and, and having a social impact business is so important because 
it's different when people, other brands, when your competition starts to do it, mm-hmm. it's not like you move on to the next thing or you get frustrated like, oh my gosh, they're ripping us off. It's like, yes, that's the point. Let's all be doing the business this way. And then we can go back to competing on our brand ambassadors and the cool movies and media we can make and the storytelling we do. Yeah. But if everybody is doing it on that same platform, then like you said, everybody wins. People, people win, the planet wins, and that's, that's the whole point, right? And good competition keeps you really on your game. And it's like one yes. of those things where we want to continue to really innovate and not by any means rest in our laurels. That element of like, you know, 23 years in feeling like we're still in startup mode. Like to keep that sort of energy, that that spirit alive. And then, do you guys distribute globally? Where, where's your pro- where can your products be found? North America primarily. Okay. Um, and then we have a little bit of distribution in Norway, and from there, it's it's you know we hit a couple markets in Sweden. We sell a little bit of SARS our loose leaf in um, in Japan as well. So lots of opportunity though to keep continue expanding and introducing people to the product. Absolutely. I see. Um, actually, I want to touch on this too because you mentioned this word sebadore, right? Sebador. Sebador. Yeah. Tell me what that is. That is someone who serves the yerba mate. Okay. And which uh, you just did for me. I took. I got to take a couple swigs out of your gourd, which mm-hmm. was awesome. So thank you for sharing. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. <laughs> um, and that's um, that element as far as someone who's gonna like set up and serve the circle serve the friends you know as people are getting together um it's one of those like responsibilities um where it's like you know all right like you're part of the circle here can i offer you a little little pick me up a little refreshment yeah and uh that's you know to kind of go back to your original point as far as where i've been contributing the company that's what I've done for years. I've been in the marketplace, whether it be events, whether it be in our, our retailers, serving your mat, introducing them to it all because it's not just, um, you know, some people, that's another tea. It's like, well, mate is a different plant altogether. It's actually not from the tea plant necessarily. Sure. But uh, it, it's one of those things where, you know, it has certain elements where the flavor's like that, the look of the leaf is, is similar in certain respects to it all. But the experience, what you feel, is is a bit different. So when you're, it's not like you just want to put your product out on a on a table and have people grab and go. It's like you want to make sure you're there serving it and and putting a, a human touch to the uh, to the product when you can. Absolutely, right? yeah. yeah. I've really long appreciated sort of um, that you know sort of the romance they create within um, like the wine industry as far as mm-hmm. okay, these are some of the notes you're gonna pick up when you drink this wine and, and we're growing on this side of the hill and it gets this kind of sun and yeah. this is a terroir and like those those elements um, just as far as taking people to the source I think in this day and age people they want to know that where their hard-earned dollars are going what it's sure. supporting and and you know in their own little way it's like take a trip down to you know Italy or wherever their wine's coming from or down to South America to the subtropical rainforest of Europe might come in and kind of be transported there through the experience and and with Yerba Mate have your product just take you away yeah it's one of those things people kind of tune into it it's like wow this is this is something that's really special it's it doesn't feel like coffee or tea yeah or an energy drink it's kind of really its own category to itself so speaking of kind of the the place where it's grown and taking you there do you get to do a lot of traveling to the to the to the farms and and see the the product in its raw material state well after everybody's been with the company for a couple of years we want to get them down there so they experience it yeah um i was just down there a couple weeks ago um and it was really cool i hadn't been there for like six years and to go see where you know the year of mati trees that we had watered and so forth 
how they'd grown and the new area that had been planted. This is like a biodynamic project. Oh, wow. Um, That's probably amazing, huh? Yeah, we're building this life regeneration center there. So it's going to be something that in time to be able to bring groups there and encourage some ecotourism in the area as well. So tell us what that means. Yeah, kind of explain that. Expand on that if you would. Well, um, the whole biodynamic concept, it goes another step beyond organic. It's a really uh, regenerative form of agriculture. Okay. And... It's organic for those that are, I mean don't know. The first thing is that's going to be pesticide-free, chemical-free, essentially, right? I mean, there's a, there's a list of natural chemicals that are allowed, but essentially it's no pesticides, no no chemical fertilizers. Absolutely. Right? Okay. Yeah. And so you guys are going above and beyond that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you, again, can it continue to, uh, to, you know, push the envelope in that regard. And yeah. that's the only land, actually, that we own in South America. It's, oh, really? It's a relatively small parcel. But other than that, we're working with small family farmers and some different indigenous communities who have okay. some forest. Okay. And so this is one where it's it's not too far off from the Iguazu River. It's a beautiful area. And just to, you know, see sort of the life that's within that forest is, is really remarkable. I bet. Yeah. Now you guys, I know you guys, so um, what you might get in your your bamate is a blend of the from the trees that you guys own on your farm and then you're mm. also purchasing from other farms as well is that right yeah yeah and then I, I remember seeing on your website that before that you guys do a lot of work with farmers and the indigenous um, people that are in those areas right primarily it's going to be two indigenous groups in Brazil okay. and also the indigenous Guayaquil people in Paraguay okay yeah and tell do you have any projects that you can share that are some of the things that you guys have done with any of those farmers um well, you know, originally, um, this indigenous Guayaquil community, uh, we had been contacted through a cultural anthropologist, a gentleman okay. named uh, Kim Hill, who'd been working with them for years. Okay. And is one of those things, he's like, these people really need some sort of economic um, basis, you know, to support their, their livelihood, because... As with so many indigenous communities that have been marginalized through the years, I mean, it goes way, way beyond that as far as some of the atrocities mm. that have, like indigenous groups in Southern South America have been subjected to. Um, and so we took actually cuttings from the Yerba Mate project, you know, we had in, in Paraguay, originally we were working with Alex's godfather, and brought some Yerba Mate to this forest where they're at and cultivated it there. And um, while well, Yerba Mate's trees were already native to that forest, but like, let's let's cultivate it underneath the canopy and it's been really cool to kind of see how that's um because it's been part of their lives been you know yerba mate was like a famine food amongst different indigenous communities and they would just wild harvest it as they would go from you know Mm. area where they would set up and live for for a period of time um but to like all right you have this this forest that they're still you know and some of us up until recent years we're kind of fighting for to maintain um but to create this um this element where the community can be be supported by it all yeah and we just recently um put a yurt up there in the community and they opened up a montessori school for the kids really yeah um and you know one element that's been really rewarding you know going from working with one project in paraguay to setting up two other projects in paraguay um, three projects in Argentina and then two others in, in, in Brazil is um, we've gone from just preserving forests, which is original intentions, like, okay, we can, we can harvest your mountain and keep the forest standing. Um, there's still, still deforestation that's happening throughout Southern South America, throughout the, the world. Oh, yeah. um, so we're like, 
it's not good enough. Like we have to do more. And so with all the projects we have set up, um, we have nurseries set up. And so like essentially they're, they're getting these seed pods, germinating them, and then replanting and reintroducing native tree species there. Because there has been deforestation in certain areas, South America is maybe secondary growth. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't been the full variety of, of, or the natural selection of trees that are endemic to the area. And so to start introducing some more of the native forest. Um, so there's that element of like, all right, it's, it's, these trees aren't going to reach that upper canopy, you know, 30 years, yeah, maybe, yeah. but we're planting them today. And, you know, it's a whole process of like, we are... Um, really investing in the growth of, of the forest and in how that really helps to anchor sort of ecosystem in so many ways. Well, and what a, gosh, that's a great example though of you guys diving into sustainability projects because it's for your company also. It's for the health of your company. I mean, that's a risk management practice that you're doing. It's good for the people there. It's mm-hmm. good for the planet. But at the same time, it's like, that's your resource. So if there's deforestation going around everywhere, that's threatening your crops as well and just that whole area you need to have biodiversity in order to farm you know make that land healthy Mm -hmm. right so that's when sustainability really starts to work right because it's like hey this is something we have to do for our business Mm -hmm. and you know while they will uh, you know take cuttings of yerba mate as far as you know getting more plants going on here and we've found effective way to germinate the seed and get that going on it's like you bring birds to the region and they're going to take you know do their part as far as disseminating the seed throughout the forest as well. Mm. And so create a nice, you know, welcoming, healthy environment for them to live in. Sure. Have you seen, I mean, when you go there, do you notice the effects of deforestation? Are you, are you seeing, I mean, you, you know about it, but do you, do you see it? Can you see it there? You yeah, see the changes that are happening? What do you it, think that in those areas, what's the deforestation? What's the cause of it? Do you know? Uh, corn and soy. Corn and soy. Primarily, it's... Um, my travels in South America have been largely Paraguay, which is a place a lot of people go to. And I've traveled through the Midwest in this country, and there's a lot of areas that look really similar. Similar billboards, similar tractors. Wow. And um, the big agricultural, you know, those companies have a huge impact in the area. Huge um, footprint there, huh? Yeah. And so you'll see these areas where there's, there'll be maybe like um, a football field size little patch of forest but beyond that it's just it's just cleared monoculture crops and really chemical intensive yeah yeah no bueno no it's it's kind of depressing in ways yeah. it's it's, you know, it's beautiful countryside but um partly because the politics and the land ownership you know going back many many years but um they haven't had to sort of um incentivize too many landowners to to buy the land and so um where your mate is native to they've lost 97 percent of their native forest in the past 100 plus years wow like it's been you know really devastatingly fast and they've lost that to these monocrops and and cattle's part of it as well but that's which ain't cattle i mean that's just not uh free roaming cattle that's cattle industry cattle right where they're clear cutting to make room for the cattle to to graze and, mm-hmm. and grow yeah it's a really complex um scenario and once you start piecing all this together and realizing the impacts at each of each of the industries that we all participate in you know I, I'm, I'm interested yesterday I, I had a conversation with uh, uh my friend jonathan from a company called think parallax and he was talking about kind of connecting the dots and this is definitely when you start to see um 
you know, when you're hearing about deforestation, that's a topic you can think about, you know, that you hear about. And then all of a sudden it's like, that's connecting the dots directly to you guys on the ground and a raw material that you guys need and that you're, you're actively um, involved with. So mm-hmm. it starts to, uh, starts to paint a picture that um, can be tough. And that's why I think it's so important for companies like, like yours, you know, for you guys to do, it's, it's such important work. Yeah, and, you know, really trying to create that, you know, beyond sort of what we're doing as, you know, a product in a business in North America, but the model in South America of, hey, this is a way we can work with forest to preserve it and ultimately um, really regenerate the ecosystem in so many ways and create sustainable income. Do you guys, are there any um, projects on one of my podcasts, I talked about carbon credits and like verified carbon credits. There's like VCS or there's red deforestation projects. Are there any projects going on in those areas that you know of that are, where people could invest in a carbon offsetting program to protect, you know, land from deforestation or to harvest. Do you know if there's anything in the area? No, I'm not aware of that. Maybe something to look into. I know, like, yeah. um, there's a few projects in Africa and kind of they're popping up in all different areas. But the goal would be to come in and say, hey, um, if you can create kind of eco tourism in this area, it's more value to you to keep your forest as it is than to let something else happen to it, you know, because that just it's a one-time maybe payoff or a one-time benefit, and then you move on. But mm-hmm. if you can create this, these biodiverse areas and and um, either share your stories or have some sort of ecotourism there, then it becomes really valuable. You know, there's another valuable asset to them. Mm-hmm. You guys are a um, a B Corp, right? Yes. Yeah, and you guys have been a B Corp for a long time. Yeah, one of the charter members. Yeah, so yeah. one of the charter members. Yeah, so yeah. What, maybe, it was one of the things where it was like, it's this is it's absolutely part of the the DNA of the company. It was like a no brainer. Yeah, as far so as maybe explain involved. to the listeners what is that what does that mean for um, to your to your business and to you guys and um, yeah, tell us about it. Uh, it's really I just still down in simple terms. It's it's that element of like the company is set up for the benefit of the planet rather than the benefit of the stakeholders and, mm. <laughs> and we've been really blessed as far as investors who see the long-term you know vision they're resonant with what we want to do as far as the impact and the legacy we want to leave as a company yeah and they're not looking to get um you know a quick payout necessarily it's like no like this is important for the health of the planet and so in doing it such where um you know Utilizing our dollars, you know, for purchases we make and, and just gearing the company toward it, it, it really has a beneficial impact, you know, on a local community level. But, um, you know, just the overall all vision, it, it's, it's not, you know, extractive and, and quick profits necessarily, but it, it's long term sustained growth yeah. in so many ways. And um, I, I love it. I mean, I've always, it's great to see that mark. A lot of people might go, um, gosh, how do you know certifications? I mean, there's always, there, there are people that kind of push back on third-party certifications. I'm a big fan of them. I believe in them. And I think it's important to have, it's just to show the customer that, hey, there's one other party here who their job is to make sure that you guys are upholding what you say you are, you know? Absolutely. And the B Corp community is a really strong one and a really good one. So I always, lo- I love looking for that logo on our, on products, you know? The people I've met with in the B Corp organization are remarkable. Yeah. Um, there's particularly, there's a gentleman, Pedro, who we've, who we've worked with, um, become friends with in South America, who's just involved in so many inspiring projects and just, it's a really passionate fellow who's really um, an agent for change in yeah. so many ways. Agent for change. And what, what I think is interesting is that you can be a company that sets out to kind of put the planet and people first and then include profits, like you said early mm-hmm. on. But yet, obviously, there's, you guys are doing something right. You've been around for 20 plus years. You've got a, com- a company that is distributing products all over the world. 
business seems like it's good. You guys have new products continuously coming out. Mm -hmm. It looks like you're branching into other things. I mean, on the website, there's a, a section for films and music. So it, do you guys think you guys have kind of built a case for sustainability in business and providing purpose um, with profit? Like, is this a sustainable business model? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're definitely going concern. And it's, it's one of those things where... Um, the, the community that have kind of embraced um, the product and, and the mission of the company, it's like we feel really brass. It's, it's one of our greatest strengths yeah. in so many ways. And so uh, we want to continue to, to innovate and inspire. And, um, and ultimately, you know, as far as the storytelling component, it's one of the things we haven't done historically well. But we have a really remarkable story as far as what we do in South America. We've been so focused on, you know, establishing the product because you know, still in, in a lot of North America, it's relatively unknown. The West Coast, the awareness is definitely, it's, it's been building, it's, it's strong in certain communities, but we still have a long ways to go. Yeah. Um, but the fact that we have um, people who are excited about it and whether they resonate with, with our cans or they have a favorite bottle or they're, they're getting hip to the gourd and they're drinking it the traditional way, that element of sort of, you know, sort of including people into the circle, and as they're shared with it, they're like, "Oh, wow, this is this is unique, and I feel great, and and it's something that is wow, it, it's it's healthy for me, and it, it helps to benefit the planet, it keeps some reinforced standing, and yeah, in growing and being planted." Well, and, we, and we've got um, you gave us some of those. Um, what is it? The the cans, the Blueforia, it's called, or it's a, right? Is that what it's called? It's got yeah. lightly ca um, carbonated. No, that I, one's not. It's not. Which no. one is the one that's kind of has a carbonation in it? We have three sparkling cans. Sparkling cans. We have our classic gold. Uh, we have our light, low, lowly, lightly sweetened uh, grapefruit ginger, and then a cranberry pomegranate. Okay, as yeah, they're well. great. Uh, and a couple other ones that are going to be coming out shortly as well. And so, how about what about the, um, the films and music um, division? Because you're a musician as well, right? Yeah, I play a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a big part of the the culture of the brand and the community. Would you say? Yeah, it, it's it, in so many ways. Our partner David kind of envisions it kind of as like a, as an, a good news network. It's like, yeah, we have a positive story to share, and we have many people within our community who are doing good work. And so, yeah. as a means to share their story to inspire others, uh, musically, artistically, whether it's getting outdoors and and you know sort of pushing limits, you know, on the mountain or in the surf or something like that. And so that's sort of the come to life component. We feel it really captures the spirit of Yerba Mate in so many ways. Yeah. And so there's going to be more and more that's going to be coming out via uh, come to life website and also via social media channels and so forth. Well, it feel, I mean, just, you know, listening to you and every time I see you at an event with the product and, and just the just the product itself and knowing the story of the brand, it's like, it just feels so good. It's so authentic. And like you said, I mean, it's just such an awesome opportunity to have a, a product that you enjoy and appreciate that you can enjoy on a daily basis mm -hmm. and just know that it's just doing something better for the, <laughs> for the world. A lot of the, the um, musicians who resonate with the product who like to bring into the studio with them or just, you know, something to keep them healthy along the road yeah. as a touring. Um, and we found like, you know, athletes and, and definitely certain athletes um, or musicians and certain athletes have really been the ones who uh, resonated with the product initially. There's that element of people feeling really super awake but feeling really relaxed. And so it kind of puts people in that creative space. Mm. Um, and then, you know, there's few things that are as comforting. I don't know if there's anything as comforting as a warm gourd as you're out kind of like on a little surf check in the morning. Yeah. 
Now, what if you are a what if you're what if you're a vegan? What kind of what kind of gourd options are there? Uh, all sorts of you know gourd options. The most common gourd is is a calabash gourd. I mean, with this one, you have a little bit of you know leather that's wrapped around it. Yeah. All. Um, but most of them are just it's going to be a simple ornamental gourd where they cut the top off clear the inside of the seeds and from there the outside's fired and carved into oh, a, so it's a, a little seed, bit like a seed pod is the gourd that's what a gourd is is that right it's a it's a calabash gourd that's the calabash. most common form of and you know there's different shapes and so okay. forth and how do they utilize it and i think i need to get one i gotta bases. oh yeah i gotta go find one. i'm gonna get you're gonna tell me where i can get one um yeah. don miguel what about uh advice what i'd like to do here too is give advice to students, young professionals who are intrigued by, and I'm going to set you up for something here because I get a lot of students who are completely intrigued by B Corp, you know, business, um, triple bottom line business, sustainability, and they're sort of stuck wanting to know, how do I get in there? How do I get, how do I, how do, how do I play a part? How do I get that job, for example? What's your advice for somebody who just um, is maybe getting into the workforce or building a career mm-hmm. and who wants to be aligned with this type of business and whether it's Guayaquil specifically or just in general, or maybe they really love the product that they're working in and they mm-hmm. want to transform their business. So, you know, what are some words of advice you have for people like that? Uh, is to really follow their passions, get out there, um, speak loudly, reveal as much you know, information, do the research that they can to sort of, you know, look for more solutions and ways to improve yeah. every aspect of yeah. things you will, you know, we, we consume. And uh, I would say just getting involved and, in, in, you know, in some capacity, it's like there's that element of like, you know, trying it out, introducing to people, engaging the marketplace, you know, a company they're, they're curious to work with you know, volunteer mm. one day or whatever. Um, be an intern. Be an intern, yeah, and, and get career. that experience and kind of, you know, get a sense of the culture um, and and their willingness to, to embrace change and, and to improve. Um, but, you know, I'm really inspired, you know, we spend a lot of time on college campuses. We find students resonating with it as far as that, the, the clarity During and the energy week. it offers. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we really love to be there in their, their moment of need. Yeah. Uh, right around finals and midterms yeah and help to kind of like alleviate some of the stress and anxiety and and you know give them a smile and serve them a nice you know warm mate latte or refreshing can um and just some of the ideas they have and some of the change they're uh, they're looking to implement on campus as far as sustainability programs there's a lot going on right it's great and how they're willing to take on the administration and going hey like we want to have um opportunities to have you know a free market on campus rather than sort of our, our food options being dictated by mm. some of these large companies that control every aspect of concessions on campus. Yeah. And um, they're raising their voice. Well, and that's a great point. I mean, just with, just with uh, the inroads that you guys have, just by providing a beverage and they're realizing like, well, wait a minute, if I'm consuming this and this is so much better, what about the rest of the stuff that we're getting here on campus, right? Yeah. Talking, yeah, yeah. I'm always like... <laughs> um, really um encouraged when students go can i can i take a look at the can and look at the ingredients i'm like please please do <laughs> please do like, <laughs> thank you for asking <laughs> exactly we have nothing to hide yeah look at this any questions you may have i'm happy to answer it to the best of my ability here but really try to do this with everything that you consume and and hopefully you can pronounce most of the ingredients yeah. that are going into your system um and just you know as people try your mouth to encourage them like pay attention to how this makes you feel 
because it is a unique um, sort of vibration and imparts. But like really with everything you put in your system, like tune into that. Like your health is super, super important. Yeah. And uh, you need to like, you know, find which elements um, are beneficial for your system and the things you should maybe like consume on a much more limited basis. Where do you guys make your products at? Um, we've been working with uh, Coat Packer, who's done our bottles in Northern California, um, in Watsonville for, geez, it's been, uh, I guess, about 15 years plus on the cans, or the bottles, I should okay. say. And then uh, another bottler in Southern California who does the cans for us. Okay. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And at your, at your headquarters, is that the lab, like where new formulas and stuff are made? And I'm sure you get to be a, t- a tester and see the early formulations of new products and such? Yeah, we have a really, um, really sort of demograph- dem- democratic sort of process, process of sharing as far as people throwing ideas into the pot and it passing across really all of our palettes before something comes out. So it's a really one of those things we all look forward to because we have so many people who are outside of the office. It's those opportunities we all get together. It's like, all right, yeah, let's, let's try this out and try, you know. And we've been in the process of um, sort of um, just changing sort of the look and feel of the brand. It's going to make it a little more contemporary. So we haven't um, introduced too many new products, but we're excited about the things we're going to be bringing out in the fall. Yeah, the new website has a really fresh contemporary look so you guys did a great job with that so i'm excited for you to dive into it and look look and see if yeah. it's live i'm excited to get some um some loose leaf uh yerba mate myself because even just those those few sips i had before we started chatting it mm-hmm. it feels great you know it's like there's clarity and it's good and i've had it over the the years but i've never really kind of dedicated to like sticking with it and drinking it mm-hmm. and i think i'm gonna do that and i think uh, you've inspired me to get on a, a yerba mate uh kick and be a part of that mm-hmm. be a part of the club we've uh, done a lot of festivals through the years and we love sort of setting up camp if you will yeah. um, at a festival and, and meeting the local community um over the course of a couple of days yeah and people coming in and they're with their friends and they're seeing their favorite bands and just a chance to like sort of vibe with them and share some yerba mate and then you know share our story and just seeing how the over the course of you know something they've been looking forward to for for weeks months whatever it may be um, how it sort of it plays a, a part as far as, you know, keeping them prime, keeping them awake right, right. to some of the late night shows or whatever. But um, just sort of, you know, over the course of a, a couple long days and, you know, less than ideal situations, oftentimes camping out and porta potties and that right, sort of right, thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, keeps their spirits high and their health. Again, you're there for them in their moment of need. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just the element of, yeah, getting to know people and them developing a relationship with the plant over a couple days and they're like wow like you know this feels fantastic i'm gonna try this out for a little while and this probably has i would imagine because i've been reading some things on coffee on like you know is coffee as we know it gone is it sustainable can we continue to do it i mean this seems like a much more sustainable option to coffee is that true um, I, coffee can absolutely be done in a super sustainable way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, again, they're both shades of tropical plants. Most of it's not grown in those sort of conditions because people are going for profits rather than, uh, than the quality. So they're not looking at the long-term viability of those plants. Yeah. So that's the takeaway. The I think it's the, the long-term vision, having a long-term play. I think mm-hmm. you, you may have answered it in some of your comments here, but what's the, what's your, the favorite part of your job? I, I really love, I really honor and cherish my role as a sabador and serving yerba mate. That's that element of sort of gathering people around and, and sharing gourds and, and, and just introducing that element of the culture. It's like one of those things where 
you know, as far as how it fits into people's lifestyle, you know, it may not be the thing for them necessarily. Yeah. Um, they're like, oh, you know, I drink two cans a day and this is, this is more my habit. And I'm like, oh, cool, whatever works for you. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it all, it all helps to like yeah. restore rainforest in the process. But I think in our culture, that element of sort of slowing down and, and enjoying that and taking time to get your water temperatures just right and make sure your bombi is not clogged and everything's flowing properly. Um, that's one thing I really, really enjoy. And, and certainly, um, as we've shared in certain circles on campuses, inspiring the next generation, that that component. Um, I know, like, you know, when I was going through school, that element of like, all right, I've I've been in school for so many years, and and what am I going to go out and contribute? And to offer this model, this business model, as you know, a little bit of inspiration, wherever it's going to carry them, wherever it's going to inspire them. But you know, I'm excited to see that next generation of businesses and products and. And you know, politicians come out who are, are really want to do something that's going to benefit the communities and the planet at large. Anybody in particular that you've uh, got your eye on? <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that for another I'm podcast. I'm looking for those here. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I love that though, that idea of getting on campuses and introducing students and having them have that because we all need it. and We've all probably had it that spark moment when you're like, "What? Like this is." Why did nobody tell me about this? Why did nobody tell me that there's this cool company, this great product, tastes good, doing better, saving rainforest, mm-hmm. taking care of people, what? And they get turned on. Mm-hmm. And you are having an impact probably on a lot of those young people to create a new generation where they'll, no matter what they do, whatever widget they decide to make, yeah. they can use the Guayaki business model. And that's my hope with all of these things. That it's like, you may not find yourself, you know, um, traveling to Uruguay or Paraguay to go to go visit your Bamate trees. Mm-hmm. You might be making t-shirts or who knows wetsuits or whatever surf fins but it's like mm-hmm. do it the do it the yerba mate way you know do it the way that you know remember don miguel when he when he introduced and shared that culture with you and it's like that's my hope you're doing something i think that's really inspiring on a personal level mm-hmm. and i think for young people to hear that you know you had said that you you decided you were going to be drinking yerba mate for the rest of your life because you loved it mm-hmm. you've made a career now out of sharing it and i mean that's the magic when you can be doing something that you love you're truly doesn't even feel like work now it's just this one big wash of like life work balance that's just that's a beautiful thing yeah that's one of those components that feels so incredibly fortunate that you know i've been able to do something share something that i I genuinely love and people get a sense of that because I'm not going to like off a script necessarily. It's something that yeah. I can peak, speak to personal experience and to the many thousands that I've served as far as how they've responded and, and how they've embraced um, aspects of the plan, the model, and so forth. But um, yeah, you know, 23, you know, for me, it's been uh, 20, 21 years, I guess. That's a long career, too. Have you worked anywhere else? Uh, not really. Not no, really. They, like you know, I, I think I worked at a restaurant for a short period of time. Yeah. In between, and then the restaurant like closed. So I'm like, all right, I just gotta double down and really make sure Guayaquil is successful. But you know, it took us, um, you know, well over like nine years before we were profitable. Really? Actually, a little longer than that. I think we had a brief period where it was profitable by a couple hundred bucks. And then, so we've constantly had to go back and, and raise money. And it's one of those things, but that's sort of the element of the business model, triple, line, triple bottom line business model, is that, you know, we haven't put our, our profits ahead of, of our mission. You stuck, to, you stuck to the mission and stuck to the plan. That's mm-hmm. really good. And I almost feel like there could be a part two on like how, what, because even for us, like building our little brand Cosm, you know, trying to do the mm-hmm. same thing, but it is... It's tough building these brands, and we kind of call it, it's like, you know what, this is going to be a 10-year overnight success. 
10 years go by and people are like, oh my gosh, I just found this cool brand. It's like, yeah, we've been like struggling for the last 10 years, right? Yeah, absolutely. It just takes that long to get things, to get things going. Yeah. Yeah, so. And for us, you know, um, partly <laughs> it, it was a business model because it hadn't been done with Yerba Mate before. Mm. And partly it's because, you know, in the market we were sharing the product, people didn't know Yerba Mate. So we had to pioneer a category as well so just came so much education and um and the personal introduction which we feel is is really valuable as far as the long-term growth and and resonance with with the brand um so yeah it's definitely it's it's not an easy road but it's really gratifying it's a beautiful journey along the way yeah well i want people to go um learn about you they're gonna go to your website i'm gonna put the link to the website um, I could put links to any contact information um, for you guys, any stories that you guys have. Where do people find your product? Can you find it in restaurants as well? Or do you, but do you buy it basically direct to consumer in, in markets and such? Most natural food stores across the country, you're going to find at least a couple of our products, yep. you know, whether it be loose leaf, some of the tea bags, um, any mainstream stores. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. You can find it at a lot of mainstream stores. It might be not necessarily in the cooler, perhaps it might be like in the organic aisle where it's going to be on the dry shelf, mm-hmm. but we're also finding ways like, you know, we're in a lot of seven 11s on the West coast. We're hitting some, um, some of the Chevron stores. Wow. Cool. And so we're hitting that convenience component. Yeah. You can't find it in too many restaurants right now. Um, a couple coffee shops, a couple delis here and there, but that's a whole other, you know, sort of wave of opportunity for us yeah. as far as, you know, build the demand for us on the shelf at the seven 11. And then if they, uh, if they go in there to their favorite restaurant, hopefully it'll be there. Wow. How cool if it was like on the fountains uh, someday, right? And the fountain drinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we started to have choices, you know, for mm-hmm. uh, for our kids to, to pull us down. At a lot of campuses, you can find it right next to your brewed coffee. They'll have like um, a big satellite pot of brewed yerba mate, which you can drink it straight, or you can add a little little cream and sugar to it if you like. Cool. Wow. All right, so um, find it at your natural food stores. Go out there and get yourself some um, yerba mate. If you haven't, choose Guayaquil. They're doing things great. Anything else we need to plug? Any any upcoming events or anything for the business that uh, are worth sharing here with the team? Um, keep an eye out for different come-to-life events that we're going to be doing around the country. That's um, sort of along the lines of uh, the come-to-life the music and media and so forth we're going to be um whether it's sort of like our own little like festival within a festival kind of thing a little tent um and an activation there we're going to be putting on events around the country we just did something out in burlington vermont there was something around earth day in austin texas cool and we've got we got some things in the works for for colorado in the fall cool and are you you're at most of those events is that right um, not no. not at all of them. We've got a team that's road dogging it right now who are doing a fantastic job. They've done production um, for years, okay. and they're excited and they're um, really passionate sabadors. Cool. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there's just it's cool. More people sort of slipping into this um, this mode of the business as far as being very active sabadors. I'm actually um, sliding more into some sales response, not responsibility so much, I guess. But um, following up with retailers and so forth who, you know, don't have interactions with Guayaquil as often as we'd like necessarily. Mm, So I've been checking up a lot of stuff in the South and also in the Midwest this year. So, um, yeah, following up and sharing our story with a lot of the retailers who've been stocking our product and maybe don't know the ins and outs of of the company and the benefits of your mate. So trying to provide a personal touch. Well, you are the consummate professional and a great ambassador for for your brand and product. So thank you for taking time to be on the on the show and sharing the story. And um, I think you and I are going to go get some tacos if you still got time after that our That sounds talk. great. Pleasure okay. to sit down with you, Derek. Don Miguel, thank you so much. 
You got it. To hear more stories like this, or to learn more about our host, visit theunderswell.com.